Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Okay, June 15th, 2018. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. I'm Kevin Allen from USA Today Sports. And I am Eklund. You're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And last night we had a another cup um, and a, a familiar a familiar team raising it, the mighty and powerful. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. What, well, it's a, it's a familiar team, but they hadn't they haven't won it ever before. I, that was the funny thing is that, first, I did not realize it's the first time. I know they've been they've been really good for a long time though. So that was yeah. okay. Yeah, they've been they've been really good for a long time and very consistent, but they've never been. Somebody called them the Washington Capitals of the AHL because about the Toronto Marlies. So yeah, um, yeah, and it's it's funny because um, six years ago, around this time, I was on the ice at Rico Coliseum uh, for the final of the you know the final game of the Calder Cup, but it was Norfolk and not Toronto, and it was clearly a different feel and a different vibe in the building because uh you know norfolk won a game where in double overtime where the puck went off a stanchion and into the empty net so it was sort of a, b- a bummer for the fans but you know nine thousand fans at rico coliseum um it was not a real close game um it was 6-1 final but it was close it was close early obviously but uh yeah, I mean, and you have to say it's an encouraging thing for the Maple Leaf organization, and a lot of people got a kick out of you know Kyle Dubas celebrating with the Calder Cup. I mean, he was very, uh, very into it, and I, and I I thought it was pretty cool. You know, he they passed around the the cup to the players, and then to Sheldon Keefe, and he passed it to Kyle Dubas, and Kyle Dubas was very psyched that this team won. And you know, it it's sort of a stamp on you know, of or a blueprint of what I think he's going to try to do with the Leafs in terms of bringing in some younger players, and some of the players who were very key to their victory last night and through the playoffs are going to be part of the part of the Leaf organization going forward. So it was it was a joyous and jubilant time at. Rico Coliseum last night. Yeah, I caught the last few minutes. It was definitely there was definite excitement. <coughs> happy. Um, my 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 one question is because people were asking me, was Brocco benched or is he injured? No, Brocco was basically the thirteenth forward for the entire playoffs. They stuck with the same lineup. There was never any injury. He, I think, he played three or four games in the playoffs. But how does that help development? That that's my big. I question. I, I, I like Ben Smith and guys who are thirty five years old. Well, the the funny the funny training, like how does that help development? Sorry. Well, the fu- the funny thing is, Russ is about probably about an hour and a half yeah. after the game, uh, after they were skating around the ice with the, with the Calder Cup uh, Ben Smith signed a 3 year contract with the team in Germany. So wow. he's he you know I they brought in veterans veterans and and Brocco did play early in the playoffs but once Andreas Janssen came back from the Leafs after the Leafs were eliminated 
you know, he stepped in the lineup and Brocco was, was a healthy scratch, but, and they never changed their 12 forwards. There was never, never any injury of the 12 top 12 guys. And and they, they rolled through Syracuse and Lehigh Valley. So they just stayed with the same lineup, but Brocco, I think is going to be, you know, part of the, part of the picture. I mean, he played really well at the end of the season and they have young guys, um, I mean that their fourth line. I think two of them could make the NHL in a few years. Mason Marchment, the son of Brian Marchment, really improved over the last year and eight or eighteen months. He signed an ELC, and uh, and a, a Trevor Moore, who was a University of Denver product, is a really speedy winger. I think those guys could eventually make the Leafs in a year or two. So I mean, they're, they're the development model with the Marlies, and they've. You know they they supplemented with veteran guys, and you have to do that. But the core group of that team is youngsters, as opposed to Texas. That that was a team of veteran guys, one or two young guys, and that I think that's that speaks to you know the the positivity of and the the enthusiasm of some of the Leaf fans because there is a lot of talent down there. Yeah, the best situation is, and I'm sure Russ would agree with this, is the balance. You know, you get if you can't have all young guys. Because then you know they don't learn and they need those older players to kind of help, and you can't have uh, you know either all young team or all old team because then all old team doesn't help you. So um, it sounds to me like the Maple Leafs try to have a mixture, which is yeah. probably go. yeah they brought they brought in they brought in AHL veteran guys like Chris Mueller and Vincent Laverde, who you know not too many not to take away spots. I mean you know. Right. But they, it struck a balance, and you know Colin Greening. Uh, they they re-signed him after his contract had expired last year because he was good in the room, a dependable veteran. He played with a couple. You know they played with Freddie Gauthier and, and a rookie named Pierre Engvall who might be a prospect for them. And they they mixed the veterans with the with the youngsters, and it was a good mix. Um, I mean, it's now the the thing is, and we'll we'll discover this in the. Uh, uh, we'll discover this in the next week or so is what this will mean for Sheldon Keefe, who now has a Calder Cup title uh, under his belt. Um, the Islanders have not made a decision on a coach. Uh, we know that, you know, Ackhead reported, and I, I think it's very possible that DJ Smith, an assistant under Babcock, could be a, a candidate for the Islanders' job. But if they hadn't chosen chosen somebody, they could be waiting for Sheldon Keefe to be able to talk to him before they decide. So it's still up in the air. Yeah, they were waiting for, you know, one of those guys maybe to shake loose, maybe for Barry Trotz to make a decision. Right. So, you know, there is no rush to get this coach now. At this point, they could go through the draft without a coach. It's not going to really matter. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah, because in the case when Lamarilla takes over a team, yeah, you know, he's, he's coaching yeah. is, like, important in terms of, of uh, recruitment. But in this I'm, case – I'm waiting for him to jump behind the bench, Kev. He's done that before. Yeah, but, he did yeah. jump behind the bench. The one thing that was funny about that, Kev, he should have done what Emil Francis did and stand on the bench because, you know, he's not that tall. <laughs> yeah. that, the, the one question is I, I, I've, heard, I've heard the name Scott Stevens be mentioned, and I know that he was an assistant in New Jersey for a while, and we've heard Keefe, we've heard Trotz, we've heard – what have you heard, Kevin, about the, the coaching search with the Islanders? Well, I mean, I had heard actually the same thing that Eklund did, that it was going to be Smith. But, you know, I also think that we know that Lou Lamarillo is thorough, and maybe that's his, uh, you know, the clubhouse leader, but maybe he wants to, you know, see if Traz is going to be available and, you know, make sure he has make, he's making the right decision because obviously this is an important situation. And I think all of his energy right now is in the Tavares signing. Yeah, um, and, and Darren Drager reported yesterday that, 
ever since that meeting uh, that that Lou and Tavares had a couple weeks ago, when, even before it was announced that he was going to be the GM, that Tavares's representatives and the Islanders have had daily contact. So it sounds like they're trying to get it done before the five-day window. But this this is the question I have, and I to everybody. If you're him, I mean, unless you're absolutely content about staying with the Islanders, if you're him and you're this close to at least hearing offers, why don't you listen? Well, there's some logic to that, but, you know, you know, and we all sort of know Tavares's personality. Does he seem like a guy that wants to, to uh, you know, be courted? And, uh, you know, to me, that's not his style. No. Like, I, like I, I think if he likes – likes the area and he believes in his teammates. If he thinks Lam is the right guy, you know, it's not, uh, you know, he, he may look around and just not like his options. Like, where does he really want to go? You know, it, it's hard to, everybody thinks, well, you're going to try to pick a better team, but it's, it's hard to do that sometimes. I do think Kev that he does want to be paid similar to, you know, his counterparts because he's been underpaid for years. Yeah. So, but I'm saying if that money is right. Okay. Like, so let's say this, I here's my devil's advocate point. So they give him a max deal. Does he sign tomorrow? Well, what do you mean max deal? Do you mean max deal? Like deal? you give him the absolute maximum deal. Yeah, because you know, nobody gets the max deal. So no, yeah, he's not the max deal yet. But if they offer him a max deal, wouldn't don't you think he would take it tomorrow? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're not going to do that. Right. Yeah, that. but I I guess that's what this is all about. I I think if everything is equal, I think he'll stay. Um, I think it's but, exciting for him. I mean, at this point, I mean it, the the. The thing about Lamorello is he does bring a he does bring a lot of winning with him. You know, he brings a lot of winning traditions with him. And, yeah, and, it's, and it's and it's more than the winning. It's it's just who he is and the yeah. respect and the gravitas. Yeah. If, if John does his homework, and I'm you know, you know, just my limited knowledge of him would suggest that he is that type of guy. Like he's going to call guys that played for him, and they're going to tell him the same thing that he's an honorable guy. He treats people fairly. I mean, I remember Zach Parisi telling me that he dreaded the call to tell. Uh, Lamarillo that he was leaving and Lamarillo's response was he understood completely why he was leaving that you know he wanted to go and uh, close to his parents and you know going home is a you know a step that he appreciates people wanting to take and you know Zach said he made it easy for him you know he could have made it hard but he didn't and I think those stories you know have, have gotten around and um, you know for that reason I think uh, you know, Tavares can feel pretty strongly that, you know, Lamarillo will treat him fairly and um, will do everything in his power to make this team better. And, boy, I, I think this is the summer where if you're an aggressive guy like Lamarillo, you can make hay. I mean, you know, despite the fact everyone says there's not a lot out there, if, if you could get the right guys, boy, you could really help yourself. Sure, um, plus he's going to look for a lockout-proof deal, Kev, right, and just in case. Well, yeah, sure, but I'm just saying I, I think – you know, he wants, I'm sure he wants to be assured that, you know, they're going to do all they can to, to win. And, uh, yeah, I mean, every, every, every player who is going to get a six or seven or eight year deal is going to get that 2020 year where it's all signing bonus and no, and no salary. They're going to get that protection, which I think just feeds into the possibility that there will be a lockout because they'll all be comfortable and you know, all the big players will be comfortable getting their money up. No, front. I, I think there would be a lockout because that's just the way it goes now in the modern. Yeah, we'll world. have a little bit of a lockout. You know, and the same reason I, I was on a radio show and they asked me, you know, like why don't they open uh, up negotiations now and get it going? Because there's really no reason to. Yeah, there's right? no leverage. And there's yeah, and there's no everybody. 
you need the pressure of the deadline to get it done. That's just the way it works now. So what are we going to look at? What are we going to look at like another half season thing starting in January type thing? Who knows? I, but I, I'm, I'm just telling you that, you know, that everybody's, you know, okay with how it's going now and they'll get that pressure and that'll get them going. And, and then everybody's saying, well, Seattle, they won't want to do that. Yeah. But Gary Bettman's going to look at what's best for the 31 teams, not the one team. I, I think the one yeah. thing that we can be encouraged about is that the number of issues that are up in that are in front of both sides aren't as grandiose as they were the last time. I think you know, obviously the players don't like don't love escrow. I think that the owners, you know, that there's going to be some. I, I, I think the owners have the Nothing the done on escrow. Right. Well. <laughs> you know, if you said, said escrow, Mike, I'm with you. I don't like escrow either. <laughs> no, to me. <laughs> I mean, there's no option beyond beyond escrow. No, no. I mean, escrow is just a result of the way the yeah the contract is set up. I mean, how how do you assure that you get the right percentages without escrow? Right. Yeah. I mean, the the I mean, the, if there was going to be, there's only one issue, and I don't think it's going to be an issue. There is one issue that could absolutely th that absolutely could throw everything into chaos. Guaranteed contract. Yeah, guaranteed contracts, but that will never happen, right? So contract contract length as well. I mean, I think eight years. They yeah, they're they're going to try to get more. I mean, yeah, you know for sure. You know they're yeah, going mean, to cut, cut the length of contracts. They're going to try to tweak the percentages and. You know, they'll, you know, that's just the way it goes. And, you know, that's just the modern world. To me, if I was them, I would, I, I mean, honestly, and I don't want to talk about this much more because this, this freaks people out this whole thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, to me, yeah. Yeah, I know, to me, the play, if I'm the players, I'm looking at, I'm looking at what they actually call hockey related revenue. That to me is one of the more interesting things out there, you know, because there's, there is so much money that comes in in different ways to this, you know, mm -hmm. but, but really, really the little thing is, you know, what people call hockey related revenue. Like well, what is actually that's revenue? always an issue. Yeah. yeah always an issue. And, and if I'm an owner, my retort would be, yeah, I have to pay all the expenses right. too. Right. If you want to start paying expenses, we could get more detailed about that. That's exactly yeah. what they say to each other. Because if there's a lockout, the owner still is going to have a lot of a lot. Right. I still have a big, I still have a big nut to pay each month to my to salary people who are here, you know. And if and there's it, lockout protected players, <laughs> and, and the big and the biggest thing is if that that the players will look at is that 1.15 billion in terms of revenue generated from the two expansion teams if, if if it's 650 million for seattle was 500 million for vegas that that is not part of hockey related revenue so they get not even yeah. a penny of that yeah yeah i mean I should, they get a, should they get a penny of that mike no yeah, i don't they? think so because they're getting jobs out of it they're getting you know yeah. player salaries out of it so why yeah. don't, you know what we have to laugh about now we all thought the amount for Vegas was sort of ghastly. It was a high amount, whatever. They're probably laughing. They have made so much money this year that <laughs> they could pay it back in one year if they wanted to. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about all of what's happened in the last year and this season is, is um, you know, we're a copycat league. We always have been. Uh, yes. you know, yeah. the and I think what's happening off the ice as well is going to impact it. I think we're going to see – you know, uh, the Stanley Cup final become a much larger event mm -hmm. um, because of what uh, Nashville and, and Vegas uh, yeah. did. Like, I, and I know uh, there's a segment of the uh, of the fandom that did not like the pregame, um, you know, build up and the little, you know, theatrics that Vegas goes in. But, you know, what I said is, you know, you know what time the game starts. It's at, yeah. it's at 818. Just right. tune in right. that. Because right. most of us thought it was fun. 
Like, yeah. you know, I, thought I was, was there fun. and I watched it and I, you know, what are they going to do tonight? Well, can, just the, the little things like, you know, not even announcing, but Gladys Knight coming in and doing something between periods, yeah. <laughs> the Backstreet Boys yeah. ringing the siren and Wayne Newton just kind of showing up there. And um, uh, who's the guy that sings the American song? Um, oh, yeah. The Proud to be American. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, he, like, there was no announcement of that. He's just suddenly he's there. He's up there. He's singing. And you're going like, what the heck? I know we, we we had the two like we had two showbiz cities, you know, like in Nashville. Yeah. People forget that Nashville is a showbiz city. I mean, it knows how to do this. At the All Star Game, when I the All Star Game in Nashville, I thought was phenomenal. Like it was just like I I was just this because remember they had the event the night before with um Earth Wind and Fire, I think it was, and we were yeah. out. You know, I was spent the whole night talking with Tom Fitzgerald that night. Like I was, it, it, it was, it was such a great night, and just the whole thing was. Uh, I mean, they. I said, how can anybody? I mean, L.A. is another, obviously another. Well, another the, city like that. The problem, the problem, the problem you run into though, Ak, is if you have a if you have a city that's not a showbiz city, it's like, hey, Buffalo, it, it's the Goo Goo Dolls. And then game two, hey, it it's the Goo Goo Dolls. There's there's yeah, nothing else in Buffalo. You can do you can do more, but I I, I do want to ask you this, you know, yeah. because Mike, you are a card carrying curmudgeon, <laughs> and and because of that, I, I really want to ask you this. Like, I was amazed at how many people. Were were registering complaints, and 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 by large, I think most people thought it was kind of fun what Vegas was doing. And have have people forgotten how to turn off something? Like, <laughs> why are all these people watching if you don't, if you don't like it? Like, if I, you know, when I'm watching the Detroit Tigers play, I know there's going to be ten or twelve minutes of talking, and that the game will start at seven twelve. No, the, the men the men talking, so I turn on at seven twelve. Like, the menta the mentality, yeah. The the mentality is Kevin is that I need to watch and I need to not be bothered. So by if you do something that bothers me, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pissed off. And now no, well, I was not, like to watch though. Why why do you what do you need like what's the draw to watch something? Do you need to be mad? Is that it? Do you like it? Is no, it not, not me? Not me because I I wasn't. I mean I didn't have an, I didn't have a problem with with the uh, the uh, you know the show uh, with Vegas. I didn't think I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It didn't bother me at all. So I, I don't I you know, for once I well, I, I'm I gonna check my texts on that. Let me go check my texts. No, 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 I mean, I, I'm I'm fully confident <laughs> that I did not vent any frustrations. And it was more it was more the friggin' Geico commercials and then you know, the the repeated commercials yeah. and stuff like that. That was that was, that were yeah, you know, what? it's so funny. Um, I mean, the thing it's become part. It, I I love actually when you're there, it's really cool. Um, and I think that when when and I rem, I don't know if any of you remember this concept, but as a child, I remember one time I wrote a I wrote an essay in like fourth grade about going to the Spectrum, which was like the old the old Spectrum, you know, and I wrote about. And I wrote about, I go to the Spectrum for two things. I go to the Spectrum to watch the Flyers play or I go to the Spectrum to see a concert, right? And there were the two things I would, going to the same building, just, you know, exactly the same building for two different things. And I wrote about the difference in emotion between the two things. Like when you go to a concert, you know you're going to have a good time. You're going, you're, it's going to be a blast. It's going to be exciting. You're going to leave happy for the most part. I mean, maybe your band didn't play a couple songs you wanted to hear, but you're going to have a great time. Um, when you go to a sporting event, I was saying sometimes you leave feeling horrible about it, like, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's the difference between that. But what I like about the beginning part is that all the people who paid all this money are in there, and regardless of how the game goes, there's like something that gets the blood going, you know, like it, as they bring the lights down. There's something that like gets the chills going on people, you know, and it's just like that is what they paid so much money give them entertainment because might not score. There's another flip to that. Like I agree with you, 
But yeah. you don't really need that to get going at a Stanley Cup game. It's kind of right. like when they put up on the scoreboard to clap. You don't have to tell me. No, that, that's right. ridiculous. I agree with you. But this, but you need you, you don't need it. But it's like why not give the people that because they oh, are paying for it. I mean, it could come out and they could come out and their team could like have twelve have like three shots in the first period or whatever. You know, it's like it could be completely yeah. depressing. It could be, yeah. but you know, but at least for a moment there before the game starts, there's that. You're paying for that inch, that like fun, you know, that really like this is. It's, a, it's a little bit of overkill, but I mean, you can over, you can overlook it. And then you know, I'm, I'm not full curmudgeon on this. I'm so. And I, and I'm going to blame Canada on this whole thing, okay? Because oh, stop. His, no, listen for a second. And I don't mean, I mean, it's in all the, in all the, you know, you know, my favorite country in the world. I've always said Canada is my favorite country. I mean, it's in all the, the politeness and the non-obtrusiveness of Canada. Is it goes along with what people are like? You know, this is a this this making a big bombacious thing is not Canadian. So like the, the whole thing, that's why you haven't, you haven't seen it in a Canadian city. You won't see there's a particular stuffiness about the, no, no, it's, it's, it's almost like a, it's, it's like a, we're, it's like a, we're sorry. It's a cultural thing. Yeah, It's a cultural thing. And it's like their, their ego, they don't, they don't see it like that. That's like an egotistical thing to do. Um, They they like like tradition. They, they, they like like tradition, tradition, but they're also more humble. So like to do a whole thing of like, but you know, but that being said, you use Kevin's favorite expression, which I said Kevin's autobiography will be written, will be titled That Being Said. That being said, um, you know, Montreal, they do a pretty good pregame sometimes, you know, in Montreal. They're the best at ceremonies. They're yeah, not. they have some good ones, right? So they're just different. They're just different than a Vegas. Yeah, yeah they're right. different. You're more about tradition and yes, it's right. About- they're about hockey. Yeah, well, you know, the, my take on it is this like I love and I, I would have to say I would rate it number one to go to a playoff game in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Like you're there the day of the game and everybody's talking about it. Yeah, and, you know, they're just totally into it. And you can just feel it in the air. The buzz. On every Yeah, the buzz is just incredible. And you Everybody's get there. For free hot dogs. Yep. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just it's just remarkable. Incredible. Now, that's completely different. But I also love, you know, the Vegas. Like there was a buzz in Vegas. Now it was different. Um, but it was it was fun there too. Like I love that the that every now city now is going to be allowed to celebrate in their own way. Yeah, and uh, you know that it won't please everybody because for some reason people just get all upset about how people what they do in their pregame. <laughs> well, I, I'm 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 not sure if I brought this up the last time you were on, Kevin, but you you were talking about you know this being a copycat league, and let's bring it on the ice. The Capitals win. And I think you have to say that they were sort of not, I mean, it's sort of not a throwback, but you had defensive defensemen like Orpik and Niskanen. You had big guys like Wilson and Smith-Pelly, you know, uh, throwing their weight around, which is not, that's not the trend. That's, you know, no. speed and it's puck moving defensemen. And do you think that teams are going to start saying, okay, let's go maybe readdress this and maybe go back to that direction because the Capitals won. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I think the one that was uh, underpublicized about the Capitals team is, is their hitting ability. Yeah. Like when you compare the two teams, um, you know, in the number of hits per player and per game, like the, the Capitals had six players that were up among the leaders. You know, they had Wilson and they had Orpik and right. even guys like P.J. Oshie, Ovechkin. Yeah. Uh, you know, these are guys that just bang you away. And Vegas just had McNabb. You know, right. he, he was the only guy that was up in terms of the, you know, the big the big time hitters. And um, I thought that was a, one of the difference in the, in the series. And I, I do think that, um, you know, you're going to see 
I think what will be copied will be the attention to the bottom six forwards. Because mm-hmm. what was different about the 2017-18 Capitals and the 2016-17 Capitals were those bottom six players. Um, they, yeah. they changed them all up. They brought in guys, and, you know, those guys all performed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Devontae uh, Smith-Pelly, I mean, obviously was uh, uh, a significant player for them, you know, down the stretch. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, all the changes that they did, they changed up a third of their roster. And, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it made an I, impact. So, so. I heard this morning, on, on I mean, radio, they asked me a similar question. Hold on, Russ. Russ. Yeah, crazy. I go. Sorry, one second. No, no, try it again, Russ. Yep. They asked me on NHL radio this a similar question to this, but that goes the same way. And I basically said, I think Tom Wilson did teach a lot of teams that, hey, if there's somebody in the draft, like there are players in this draft, like Andre Svechnikov may be the greatest skater and offensive player, but he'll also elbow you in the face. So Oliver Wallstrom. If right. you could get guys that have a team toughness and they could still play, like obviously when you put Wilson out there, he's still capable of scoring goals. Teams are now going to look for those players again because I think they did stray away from them, and I think Wilson did show them and Oshie right. that you need a certain amount of those guys too. Well, I, I think what the what the Capitals' victory brings along, and I, I heard Ray Ferraro talk about this on the radio yesterday, and I agreed to it to a point. You know, Smith Pelly was brought in after being bought out, and I think he was brought in on a PTO, and he and he got signed for less than a million dollars. And teams yeah. will probably go bargain basement shopping, shopping like we talked about yesterday, yeah. But yeah. The, but the, he was talking about a guy like Jay Beagle, who would be a good fourth line center for a number of teams. You know, he was mentioning Toronto, but the the thing is, he made a million seven five one point seven five million dollars. If he goes out in free agency and he gets three to two two and a half to three million, it's not as much of a bargain anymore. I mean, he's a good player, but that's it's it's not just the ability of the player; it's the price point of the player. So yeah. I I don't know whether you know like that can be repeated. I, I think teams will look for those bargain basement players, but once they get too expensive, then the benefit is gone. Well, yeah, I mean that's Ken Holland always talks about that you know, all the time about, you know, he would say, now he didn't say this, but, you know, putting words in his mouth, he would say, you know, I love Mike Green at a two-year deal, right. but uh, but I hate him at a three-year deal. Right, 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 and, right. That and kind of thing, and yeah. I think that's the way you have to sort of view players is, you know, you know how much do they cost you and whether or not you, you kind of like them. It just isn't about how they can play. It's how they can sort of fit into your budget. And, well, you uh, know, I think if you talk about, yeah. like, some of these trades yesterday, I think, you know, Buffalo trading a guy like Hudson Bashing, if he gets a little faster, he can play that Tom Wilson role. <clears throat> I think that's where you're going to look to get some of these guys when you're seeing some of these guys, like, you know, the Adam Halukas, guys that just aren't getting a shot in one organization, another organization looks at him and says, you know, we might have a spot for this guy that the other team is not thinking about using the guy for. I think now that's the way yeah. you'll get that guy. Well, and what's what's interesting is we've reached the point in the – where we are in our parity evolution is, is that, you know, everybody's got five or six players. You know, I was listening to the World Cup soccer coverage, and they start out every analysis of every team. was like, well, they got three or four great players. Well, right. that's how it is in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody's got three or four really good players, and it's those yeah. guys that you fill in, uh, finding the bargains and everything else that sort of define, you know, how much whether you will be better or not as good as the as yeah. – 
your division because you know everybody's got three or four great players. So, now, yeah. I I don't want to I don't want to go into the the sordid details and the and the things that were uh, that are not confirmed, obviously, Kev. But we were talking yesterday about Ottawa and the train wreck that that it is right now, and it's my belief, and I want your opinion on it. I think both Hoffman and Carlson are not going to be there when they open training camp in September. I mean, the, the, the problem with Hoffman right now is with the allegations with of his fiance hanging over his head. I, you know, a lot of former players I've heard talk about this and say, who would want that guy with this hanging over his head coming into the room? But I, to my mind, Carlson, I, I don't know why he would want to go back to Ottawa. What are your, what are your thoughts on this? Completely agree. Um, I have two thoughts about that. First of all, just that, that both players have to be gone now. Um, that, you know, it just, it doesn't matter whether you wanted to keep Carlson or not. It, I think it's just, it's just too hard. And, um, and the second thing is, I think this is an indictment on the Ottawa senators. And mm. the reason why I say that on the organization is, uh, and I, I have run this theory by a general manager who agreed with me. Teams always know what's going on yeah. within the locker room. They always know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carlson mentioned something to his best friend. The wives talk. You know, the 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 management is tight with the trainers. The trainers always know every bit of gossip that's going on with the team. They knew this was going on. The fact that it was allowed to go on and we've reached this point is beyond belief. Um, yeah. That there, you know, at some point there should have been a meeting about this. Everyone should have been brought in. Every team has security now. Right. Like every yeah. team has a guy who's in charge of this. This should have never have gone on this long. And for her, for Eric Carlson to be subjected to this uh, and his wife without somebody stepping in and intervening and getting to the bottom of this, I, I can't understand that. Now, you know, I would love to hear maybe the senator's got a logical explanation for this. And uh, but I, I don't know what it would be because it, it if, if you if, if you did if. If you didn't know about it, then you've got another major problem. Yeah. You know that means you're not in touch with your team, right? Um, and if you did, why didn't anybody try to do anything about it? Because it shouldn't have gotten to this point. So um, I I don't know what it says about the senators, but it's it's nothing good. And I agree that it would be best for all parties that everybody moves on. And you yeah. know I don't know whether uh, uh, Hoffman's fiance is uh, uh, was involved in this. I have no idea. Right. But it, it doesn't matter at this point. I think it, it really doesn't, unfortunately. And I and I think I think you're right. I mean, I think you're right about the senators. But I and I but I don't think I think they're the team that got caught. I think a lot of teams are are ignoring things like this more. And I think this will open up. Yeah, I don't know about that. Like I, this is something so major yes. that I just can't imagine the other teams not dealing with that. I mean, early. nothing to this level, Kevin. But there are there are there are things all the time, right? And I, I mean, I've I've heard of girlfriends fighting with other girlfriends and stuff like that, you know, and and stuff that, that goes that, on. That's not the same as this. Like that happens all the time. That's yeah. part of parcel of life well, in the dressing room. Well, right. I, 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 I think, but, but you don't, but they don't pay attention to it. You know what I mean? And they don't, and, and they often, they often, there's this whole thing that's like, ah, they're just the women fighting or whatever. Da, da, da. And I think um, now they're going to pay attention to it. Well, I still think this is at another level. So it is. I, 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 I think the one thing that, that we're, we're learning is that, you know, some of these NHL teams are not up that they're sort of ignorant about the impact of social media that, you know, there's been incidents and with other teams where I think they don't realize what's going on, the interaction between players and fans and how, how ugly it can get. And, and, you know, 
burner accounts, obviously the whole Colangelo thing that happened a few weeks ago. Now, now it's sort of snowballing. But I'm just just to bring it back to hockey. I'd hate to be Pierre Dorian, Kevin, because now, okay, he's undercut in terms of his any kind of leverage with a in terms of ha- of a Hoffman deal, and teams probably know now he'll get value because there'll be a market a ridiculous market for Carlson, so he'll get value. But what I was and what I asked yesterday, he, he has no uh, obligation to let another team know that this stuff is going on. Like if, if a team was interested in Hoffman, does he, I don't believe he has an obligation to tell the other general manager, Oh, by the way, this is going on with Hoffman. Am I right? He doesn't have an obligation. To say that. I mean, no. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have any obligation. I mean, teams should do their homework, right? But they, they yeah, don't, but how are they going to know inside another, another team's locker room that this is going on? I mean, uh, that's yeah. the problem. That's well, it's clear yesterday. Speaking of social media, um, there were, uh, people's reactions you know siding with carlson on this from within the room it was pretty clear that the, the, yes. the, the people the players and well, their wives knew about it so. yeah i was told yesterday and this will probably come out soon you know and and dunphy said uh who was it was it dunphy who said um james duffy yeah james duffy said they thought there was more to it i looked into that a little bit you know and i heard there was snapchat stuff that you know how snapchat works it's different right so that's and that, so, so there's Snapchat stuff that you know you but you if someone sends you a snap it's gone in 24 hours but how but you can record it you can easily there's other stuff that they that that they're that they that you know has been turned over basically as evidence that it, it goes far deeper than this that is on Snapchat so you have to be really careful Snapchat is really evil for for people for it is, it is I, I'm I'm old so I don't know how I'm I mean, if you have kids it. on Snapchat I mean my daughter tells me that you know she knows more people who have you know gotten in fights broken up cheated on people on Snapchat she's like it's incredible like you know she said Snapchat I was on it for a short time I didn't enjoy it so I left Yeah it's really rough Snapchat was actually banned uh by the US National Development Team for a short period of time not in I don't. I don't what need to put. Had. I don't need to put dog ears and a nose on myself. No, that's not what it's about, though. It's yeah. about. I know. I know. It, yeah. I know. It's so, mostly. Know, it, it, it doesn't. In the early years, wasn't it a sexting uh, type? Uh, well, it is. It is. That's why the whole idea of something yeah. disappearing after twenty four hours. You know, like you can put something on there and it's gone. But there's. But now then Snapchat built into it a way to save things. You know, so you can save something on your or and you or you can just do a screenshot of your phone. You know how to do that too. You can. So there's all different kinds of things. So, yeah. So nothing's. Any like I've told, I've you know, I've talked to my kids' high school about this. I've had different discussions about social media for a couple of years now. Um, anything that goes online, expect it to be public. That's the bottom line. Like yeah. anything you put anywhere, if if you're sending it private, even a private email to a friend, expect be okay with it going public because it might go public, and you just have to have that in your head. You know, you can't ever say anything. Let me let me bring up one because we rarely ever talk about anything good about social media, but I'm going to talk yeah. about yeah about social media. But I want to start out by something bad about social media. Um, and I, I just another observation that we talked about this before, but you know, because I'm fresh from the Stanley Cup final and I was looking for this because I, I, I read with great interest the NBA's um, discussion over their concern about the, what's happening at their games and how so many people are on their phones mm-hmm. and you know how they're going to address that. And there's a great fear among um, folks in the NBA that at some point uh, when you're paying so much money for tickets, you're going to say, why would you do that? Uh, because, you know, we're not paying attention anyway. We're on our phones. We're just raising up when somebody cheers. Now, saying all that I and watching that, I, I you know, and we've commented before about how many people we see in the fans in, in yeah, the, yeah. are doing that. But I was at the final, and we all know how much it costs 
for the yeah. final. Oh, yeah. Over the press box. And I tried to watch just, I just wanted to see it for a short period of time because I didn't want to disrupt my own viewing of the game. But I, I watched just enough to know that even in the Stanley Cup final, mm-hmm. I saw so many people that just were staring down at their phones and then would rise up when something happened, just as if they saw it on, they saw none. Well, I have a 16 year old daughter. So let me discuss this for a second because I, she's the prime, t- she's the prime age for this. Right. Like, and I know that a lot of older people are on their phones too, but I don't think the NBA has to worry about anything to be honest. And I'll tell you why. Um, because I, I many times, you know, you have, we like the last night we watched the movie garden state here, which is what I've talked about before. It's like my favorite movie ever. It's a great movie garden state. And I wanted to show it to my daughter. She's finally old enough. I think to see it. So I showed it. So my wife and I showed it to her last night. Mike, get off your phone. Jerk. <laughs> um, so, uh, so we're sitting here watching it and there are some really great scenes in it. And, you know, I would see her once in a while, just pick up her phone and, and send something. And I'm like, I'm like, put your phone down. I want you to watch. You have to watch this movie. We have momentous implication. You're watching this. And um, I've been in this situation here many times and the, and I'm amazed. Like she's like, what? She says, so I just let her go one time. I, I let her text. She was waiting for like three minutes during this thing. Movie's going on, and it stopped. And I paused the movie, and I'm like, okay, tell me what just happened. She put her phone down. Like, tell me what just happened. And she told me exactly what just happened. Every dial, every line of dialogue, the entire, the entire thing about it. And yeah. she had been on her phone for three minutes. We've waited. Unbelievable. It's it's just it makes me crazy because I'm thinking that you know you think if obviously if someone started doing something when you were talking to them in the past. We've like, raised, what's going on? We've raised a generation of multitasking. Oh my gosh, that's, it's that's incredible. It but I think, heck, I would not say the NBA is not in trouble because of this. I noticed online for the last week or two, right. I just caught conversations because I had definitely some followers that are younger than me and, and yeah. vice versa. And what I noticed was, like, as an example for a bar, I, I noticed people were like, why should I even go to a bar now and spend, you know, I don't know, $10 a drink. I could just do it at home and stay on my phone. And, and actually there is a lot to that. And I think unless you crave human contact or you crave the excitement or if the NBA doesn't keep their games exciting, they will start to lose people. Well, what are they doing on their phones? I mean, they are usually doing something about the game. Like they're texting or tweeting. Oh, out something. About no, the no, 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 but not always, but I've found that, you know, like I've, yeah. I've talked to you about this. Not always, they're texting, they're texting about know. plans after the game or yeah, things that's that are for going. sure. True. But I mean, but, 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 videos of goofy cats to their guys. Right. But, but this is, this is the thing. And it's funny yeah, that, 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 that Russ mentions like a, like a bar because places that I've gone to and I'm hanging out with friends, they want to leave a place if the Wi-Fi is, or if the if the reception is yeah, not right. good yeah. and the Wi-Fi is terrible, and I'm thinking, well, NHL because you know, like there's public Wi-Fi in Buffalo, there's public Wi-Fi in Toronto. Will they start not offering that because they want people to pay, actually pay attention to the game? I think it'll piss people off that they'll leave early it rather than. Not, yeah. yeah, I don't no, think you can put that it back in. It was a major issue, but anyway, let's talk about one good thing about it. And, yes. Uh, and that is um, the coverage of the Washington Capitals celebration. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that that just really sort of brought the cup to the people. Um, yeah. You know, my our office of USA Today is located outside of Washington D.C., and I used to, uh, and I got so many reports from people in the, you know, the office of you know the cup was here, the cup was there, um, and I talked to Phil Pritchard of. Uh, of the hockey hall of fame. And he was saying that, that this year it reached the point where they were taking a, the cup to uh, a place in Georgetown, uh, which is a trendy area by the, 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 mm-hmm. the, uh, the college. 
And he said before we even got there, you know, word had just spread so dramatically through social media. And flash I thought it, it was a flash I thought the, that was so fun yeah. to follow the extraordinary celebration. Oh, yeah. And I loved what uh, Ovechkin did. You know, he basically yeah. took it to the people. You know, it was about the people. His thing was incredible. I mean, what he did was just, it was it was beyond, you know, joy. You know, it was just well, a great thing. And there's so many. And you know, Ovechkin videos in my house every yeah. day. Well, what, what I want to know is, was Phil Pritchard the one took, who took the picture of, of the cup with Ovechkin and his wife, or I think it was his wife? And, and, you know, <laughs> because and then, Yeah, no. Nope. Yeah. yeah. Nope. Well, I know Phil told me that he, he went back after they uh, they landed. They wanted to take photos. Ovechkin wanted to take uh, photos at home, and he went there, and he took a photo with him and his dog in the cup and him and right. his wife and all yeah. that. So I, I think the answer would be yes. But I, I, it's pretty amazing. I thought the best one, Kevin, was a fan took a picture at the national at nationals the nationals game, and it was in the middle of the inning. And Ovechkin is in the second deck in left field from yeah. far away, and you just see this guy holding this big silver yeah. thing, and he's like this big, but you know it's him, and you know it's the cup. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Well, the other thing they did, which I thought was really cool, and I know Pritchard thought it was too. I'm actually writing about this when as soon as I get off this, but. Um, they took it to both rooms. They didn't just take it to the. Oh, oh really? They took it to the. Uh, I think they were playing San Francisco then, um, nice. and um, they took it to oh, the. Cool. Uh, you know, to both rooms and the other. You know, the guys on the other team really appreciated that. So, but what a great. Uh, the other thing I wanted to just bring up, um, just because there's, I got a little bit of I told you so on it. Because right. it was you'll forget now, but you'll never get them done, and. Uh, you know, this is what they could get for him, and this is the teams that you know he would really fit in well. And should the Oilers go after him, and we yeah, yeah, yeah. the Maple Leafs, and what happened? Yeah, yeah no, I, 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 I said publicly that he could sign them, and people doubted it because yeah. they were the Coyotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I'll, and I'll and I'll be the bitterman and the curmudgeon here. It's like, and I I, I said it I said it when yeah, we man. got when we got the news is that. You know, he took le he took less money for the no move clause. He must be comfortable with good weather, golf, and a team that has not proved to this point, except for one year when they got to the conference final, that they can win. Now, if they, you know, if he's comfortable with that, and and if they improve, then this is a good deal. But I mean, I, my criticism was, doesn't he ever want to win? And sometimes that's not the biggest the biggest priority for, for a player. And maybe he thinks that they eventually will win. There's a lot of talent there. I agree with that. But, you know, I, I, I just don't understand the mentality of a player who doesn't want to at least test the market and see where he wants to go. But if he wants to stay there, this is a great deal for him. I don't think you could have more um, correctly represented his position. <laughs> like, I, just, just what you said about him, really – uh, basically, what I was told was he wanted to stay because he loved his teammates. Mm -hmm. He felt that he um, could be play a, a major role uh, in helping that team finally dig out. To, right. And he loved the area. I never heard any mention of golf. I never mm -hmm. heard any mention of the weather, and and I never heard any uh, you know mention of of his belief that he didn't care about winning. I mean, I'm using it as sarcasm, Kev. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But but well, but yeah. I mean, I, I think you can't just say because he's yeah. with a poor team that you know he doesn't uh, you know want to win. And I don't know that he took less. Like 
Yeah. Uh, you know what has he accomplished that he? You think you should? Should you? Did you think you should be a nine million or a ten million dollar guy? I, I thought if he would have gotten to if he would have gotten to the free market that he probably would have been able to get that. Like like I think John Carlson is probably going to get over eight because he's a he's a ufa now if he gets that from washington then that's great if he if he doesn't i think he'll get it from a team that's desperate for for a top pairing defenseman but if if ekman larson had put himself out on the market with you know because dowdy is probably going to resign and i think if carlson gets traded you know a team is going to probably try to resign him or get him resigned that ekman larson probably would have been the only one of the big three that would have got there but he wanted to stay in arizona and i don't begrudge him that if that's what he wants that's what he wants i just you know i, yeah, I, I just think it's, i just think you know to say he doesn't want to win because he resigned there i just think that's you well, know it's, it's, it's it, about matt sundin you know he didn't want to win for the cup. He didn't want to go for the cup. You know, remember when he wouldn't, yeah, he wouldn't yeah, yeah. and he just liked playing there. And I, you know, I just think there's sometimes there are other reasons. I think he was, I think the word right that you had right was the comfort. I yeah. think he did feel comfortable there. I think he really enjoyed the guys he played with. Right. And you know what, you know, could have screwed up the whole situation is just the unknown of, you know, are, are they going to make it there? You know, they, right. there's no arena. That 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 was a major issue. That was the concern that they had. But I thought the money, just the way I saw it, mm -hmm. I thought Ekman Larson was going to be in the eights. I thought Carlson would be in the nines, and I thought uh, Eric Carlson will be over ten. So John Carlson would be in the nines. Ekman Larson would be in the eights, and yeah. and Eric Carlson will be over ten. That I, that's I, how I viewed it. That makes sense. I, I, I will now ask the question that I ask every year when Kevin is on the week before the draft. How busy do you think the trade market will be? Because well, I, I expect there'll be a lot of guys traded. Uh, you know, uh, there's uh, a, there has been a lot of discussion. Um, uh, you know, I listed all the guys that uh, you know I felt could be traded. There's no doubt that the Carolina Hurricanes are going to be uh, a very big mover and shaker. They want to disrupt the team. Uh, I just quoted Don Waddell, and I think this is a reflection of the new ownership. Mm -hmm. we've missed the playoffs for nine years and you know it, it you know we've had some of the same players for five or six years you know what he didn't say but was you know implicit in bet between the lines is this hasn't worked like this why wouldn't we disrupt it um so you know right. i would expect uh, you know he didn't name any names but you know we'll we'll see skinner moved for sure and i don't think it was their plan to move hannafin I think I think they thought they were going to move Falk, but now I think the offers, from what I've been hearing, uh, from one of the persons who actually made an offer, uh, the offers for Hannafin are really good. Um, yeah, I would expect so, them to be. I, I yeah. So he's a better defender than Falk. That's why. So um, anyway, so yeah. they they might end up moving Hannafin. I I don't think that was their intention, but. You know, they may yeah. do that. I we think we kind of thought that might happen though, because Falk just he had a bad year, his defense has gone down, and he makes a little bit of money. Hannafin, you could set the price. Well, yeah, and Hannafin's up on the uh, you know, he's yeah. gonna get better. His best years are ahead of him. So yep. um, you know, that's a tough call because I mean I think their thought is well, maybe they can get a forward, the forward version of Hannafin. You know, if they can get a young forward. Um, who can do that? But you know, to me, a, a, a young defenseman who's talented is harder to find than a yeah. Uh, but forward. but 
but they're so deep on the blue line cap. That's the thing. It's like, I, I think, I think, you know, it's been the the general yeah. opinion that they, they need scoring. I mean, ideally I think they would love to get a center for Hannafin, but it, the tougher, it's I, even tougher to get a center than it is a, a, a defenseman. What's interesting about that is I, I, you know, I would agree with you on that, but I asked Don Waddell about whether center was his priority and they, they think they're okay. You know, Neskas, is that, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah. 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 Nekis, yeah. yeah he is a center. Uh, and yep. he's going to play. Yep. And Aho uh, and Stahl. They, yeah. They're going to move Aho back to center where he started, and nice. and Stahl. And yeah, they, pretty good. So they think they're all right now. They you know, not, they'll be fine with that. Yeah, they, need, they need snipers. They need snipers. And they're they and they're more? they're you know he basically said uh, the cash and uh, uh, I, I was, he didn't say who, but Svechnikov, I would have guessed will. Mm -hmm. Uh, move right into the lineup next year. So, you know, the big the they priority still for them, more scoring than that though. That's not guaranteed scoring. You know. No, that's right. But the the big priority for them is goal. There's yeah. No, no question. Yeah. And you know, it's not a great field of uh, available goalies. No. One guy that everybody wants to trade for in Grubauer, and there seems to be one free agent that everybody wants, and that's Carter Hutton. Yeah. The famous yeah. Carter Hutton. Yes, I love Carter. Hockey Buzz's uh, favorite goalie. Yeah, they built up his value. Hey, Eck, I want to mention a prospect real quick. Please do. On um, on sportsology.com, <laughs> I just wrote about Jet Wu. He, um, there's a couple things that are interesting about him. I think he'll be a first round. He'll be the, the highest drafted person of Chinese descent ever in the NHL. I still didn't make that the focus of the article. I just think that's a cool side side thing. But this kid, you know, he got a, he had an injury this year, but he's a really good defenseman. He's six foot two hundred five. He can skate. He's got power. He plays on the power play. He's got a great shot from the point. He definitely has to prove it a little defensively. But this kid is also very mature. He's got like this zen like attitude. I think he'll go somewhere in the bottom twenties, and I think somebody will get a really good defenseman here because I think if he'd have played. Better in the second half in the playoffs, he would be like in the top 15 to 20. So I think someone will get a little bit of a discount on this kid, but he is a piece of work in a in the very best way. Like he is really a fun guy, and so people should should check him out. What position does he play? Defense, I said. Defender. Okay, yeah, I didn't miss it. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Um, I want to so check it out. Yeah, make sure you check out sportsology.com for all of Russ's stuff. And make sure you check out USA Today, obviously. And at by you, this is the time you need to be following at by at by Kevin Allen. If if you weren't already following it, this time of year you absolutely should be. Um, but yeah, this that this is the time. This is the time. We have, I will say this: we have our four-hour draft special starting, I think, tonight in Vancouver, and then tomorrow for the next really week. Uh, you'll hear yeah. it in a lot of places: TSM Market and Sirius, and John Shannon will be sick of it, and so yeah, we'll, <laughs> uh, we'll hear it all day I'm long. Say, I'm going to be sick of it. Um, <laughs> For X, um, for X Attic, I have a little quick X Attic today. Um, so Pretty this hot. picture that was sent to me, um, and I and I from somebody saw it on Reddit, um, of the Joe Louis Arena as the as the seats are being removed, um, to sell them, to sell the seats. You know, um, yeah. I wondered if any of you guys owned any seats from any place. I never ever bought. I'm still waiting for the Mets to give that bargain basement price because I know they're sitting in a warehouse because they decided at one point they would charge. I think it was, I think when, I, I believe when City closed, they, they wanted to charge like $19.99, $1,999. I never bought it at that because I said they yeah. can sit with them in a warehouse forever as far as I'm concerned. And someday, you know, they'll sell them for a lot less. 
Yeah, well, like actually, if you go on, you're, you'd be surprised if you go on eBay, you can actually get pretty good deals on these. Uh, eBay usually is a good place to find seats. You don't own any seats, do you, Kevin? Uh, where at now? You own any seats from any any old stadium? No, I mm -hmm. do not. No. Yeah, I mean, I own one, so here's mine. Okay, so I'm going to show you mine here. Um, and this is uh this I picked up when they when they opened up the spectrum and said you come in and just take whatever's left. Mm -hmm. So um, this is not one of the seats that was actually. This is a seat from the spectrum. Um, so this is it right here. Can I show you this? So this is um those of you who sorry it's a little hard to hold. This is okay. seat number seven, obviously. Um, but yeah, this is what this is. Is these are the seats that were on the floor when they would have a concert, right? So they would put mm -hmm. the floor seats down, um, you know, for rows along the ice for concerts. So, that, you know, you probably still don't want these if you were in the Philadelphia area at some point. That, that's, all, that's also the seat that uh, Ric Flair hit Greg the Hammer Valentine over the head with, probably. No, yeah, much, like much thinner weight than that. That yeah, was I know. It says no. Core States Complex. Yeah. Remember the arena? Core States, oh, yeah. This was a, this, there's a whole Core States. Um, the, originally, it was a Core State Spectrum, and the Core State um, Arena yeah. was the Wells Fargo Arena originally. They they, they they sold a whole bunch of the seats from the Memorial Auditorium uh, in Buffalo. And, you know, that is a building I saw my first concert, my first hockey yeah. game. The problem is, is that the seats at the odd were the most uncomfortable seats yeah. in the world. And they were painted over, like they had them painted over. There were wooden seats oh, with, yeah. metal, with metal sides and metal hinges uh, and uh, painted the blue dark blue or orange with layers so many layers of paint on them that it was just i mean it yeah. made no sense to buy them so i just didn't yeah no i know uh, they are there they you but you know they're, they're out there and uh so i guess the joe lewis obviously you can get them now but it's kind of kind of must be kind of funky to see these uh to see these old arena old arenas as they're being torn down i guess i guess they're going to implode joe lewis arena eventually kevin are they yeah no there's going to be uh a hotel there and uh you know, the, the city of Detroit's going through a real renaissance. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, all the arenas, um, you know, the uh, Little Caesars Arena, Ford Field, and Comerica Park are all within, you know, a block of each other. Yeah. So, uh, you know, wow. it's similar to Philadelphia. Um, okay. Um, but in this case. It's good. I like the setup down there. I did. Yeah, it is. And the, uh, the, what's different about Philadelphia is there's a lot, you know, there's a, uh, a area, like a nightlife uh, area there that. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of restaurants and things. It's not the same as uh, where it's just nothing but parking lots and, and arenas uh, out in yeah. Uh, Philly. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's what we have. Um, all right. Well, thanks, Kevin, so much. Have a great weekend. Remember, without the buzz, folks, it's just hockey. We will talk to you Monday. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.